Well, I have a progress report to give you. For those of you who thought Kyle would never amount to anything, <laughs> the boy graduated from college just Monday, and we go, wow, that's great. Not to be outdone with graduation. He asked Morgan to marry her, and she said yes. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Some more good news. We're going to jump out of Revelation and do a Christmas sermon this morning. And for some of you, you say, yay. But anyway, so find your way to Philippians chapter 2, and that's where we'll take our text from. But Christmas is here again. Here we are, 2011 Christmas. And you know, we try to capture the Christmas spirit in, in different ways. We visit family. We visit good friends. We have Christmas dinners. We buy lots of gifts for the grandkids, all these kind of things. Because Christmas is a joyous time of the year. Yet I've heard some of you complain about crowds at some of the stores. Isn't it amazing that the biggest shopping day of the year, based upon Christmas, I assume, is called Black Friday. Now think about that. But we decorate our homes, don't we? We decorate the church here. We buy trees. We put up lights. And if you go up Wall Triana, you'll see blow up camels and Santa Clauses and all this kind of thing. And all these activities are done at Christmas time. We come to church. We listen to the Christmas story. We watch in delight the children's program that will be coming forth. And they remind us of the birth of our Lord. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had a little bit to say about Christmas. About Jesus coming to earth, taking on the form of a man. And that is thought-provoking to say the least. And so I'm going to try to keep my part of today's service short. I said try, not, may or may not make it. Because we have a full morning here. So, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll take our text in verses 1 through 8. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation 
taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Paul, in verse 1 there, he wants to encourage the Philippian church, and he says, consolation. And that's supposed to be a word of encouragement, a consolation. Um, not just any word, not only smile, be happy type, but, you know, put on a happy face, that kind of thing. Amazingly, some computer programs actually have that little happy face key on them. You can punch a key and here comes a little happy face. Or you can buy a little rubber stamp with a happy face on it. Teachers use a happy face to show their students that they're doing well or to encourage them. A little happy face, an international sign or happy meaning. Today, we text message quite a bit, and there's acronyms that we use. And I'm not going to get into all of those. I don't know all of those. But uh, the one I like is LOL, laugh out loud. And I go, well, that's kind of clever. But Paul, the founder of the Philippian church, he says, here's how you Philippians, here's how you believers my children of the faith, this is how you fulfill my joy. And Paul does it in a clever way. And he does it by asking, is there any comfort of love? We do not always consider love as being comfortable. Anyone that's given to hospitality, they seek to make their guest feel comfortable. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Be comfortable. We try to do that here. Our meet and greet time is based around trying to make you feel comfortable, trying to let you get to know one another. I consider our meet and greet time probably the most vital thing that we do on Sunday mornings. And there are various ways that different churches try to make visitors or seldom attenders. There's several ways that they will try to make you feel comfortable. Don't stand, but... Some churches will welcome you from the pulpit. And they welcome you with, if you're new with us, please stand or raise your hand. Why are you putting me on the spot? I'm not going to stand and I'm not going to raise my hand. And what do they offer you? We have a gift for you. Keep your ballpoint pen. I'm not standing, you know. That would make me uncomfortable, not comfortable. Our meet and greet time, it does several things that I really like. One, it lets us get to know one another. 
But we also interact with one another and we find out what's going on in each other's lives. And then we have, once in a while, we'll have a potluck. And we're going to do both of those today. We've already met and greeted, and now we're going to have a potluck. Paul, he says, if there's any affection or mercy in the inclination or the uh, the word he's wanting to say is show affection and mercy. We happen to have a designated hugger here. Manny, would you stand up? Manny will hug you. I don't care what's going on. Whether you want a hug or not, Manny's going to hug you. <laughs> it really bothers Don Jenkins, too, doesn't it? But that's all right. <laughs> Where was it? Anyway, <laughs> my desire for us as a fellowship, as a body of believers, is for us to be comfortable with one another. We're to be comfortable with those that we fellowship with. And that is being affectionate in a good way, showing mercy. Paul's desire is for believers to be like-minded, and he will use this term several times, be like-minded or be similar, and it made Paul happy when the Philippians were that way. His joy was full when this unity of love was demonstrated in like-minded believers or like-minded attitude. Verse 2, Paul speaks of being like-minded, and he also speaks of being of one mind. So attitude is critical to Paul, and he feels that it's critical to the body of believers there, Philippi. I think we have to have a good, healthy thing here at Calvary, we're drawn together, hopefully we're drawn together to worship God and to study his word. I think that's the core of why we come together. Uh, a little confession, I was raised in a church in a certain denomination, and as I became an older teen, a young adult, I was disappointed in my denomination because I was ignorant of God's word, and that bothered me. I would get in debates with my Christian friends, and they would eat my lunch, you know, and I'd go, well, I should know that. And all my life I had attended church, and yet I was ignorant of God's word, and my concern as your pastor is, I don't want anyone here to be ignorant of God's word. Calvary Chapel, to me, is a sanctuary. Not as a pastor, but it's a sanctuary because I don't fit in any other place. So if you're here this morning, I consider you my friend. <laughs> so you're my friends I know I need more friends but that's alright 
And I also consider that you're like-minded towards our Lord Jesus. And that's what develops our friendship. Paul, he will elaborate on this in verse 3. And he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, there's that cerebral thing again. The lowliness of mind or lowliness of attitude. We are to consciously esteem others as our equals. No. That would be good enough for most of us. But we are to esteem others better than ourselves. Wow. Better? Better than ourselves. This goes beyond do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but it's do better unto others than you do for yourself. Not many of us practice that. Have you ever went through a change in life? Kyle's not the only one that goes through big changes. A change at work, perhaps, a new position, uh, maybe even a, a relocation move, or some kind of new or different focus comes upon you. And what is your first thought? How does this affect me? Perhaps more of us have this happen than we're willing to admit. But I long for the day, I really do, I long for the day when I do not enter self into the equation as my first thought. Not what's in it for me or not how does this affect me, but how does it affect others. Paul goes on. And, you know, it's like he's saying, you know, if you're not already convicted, he's going to get us. Verse 4, he says, watch out or be attentive. Consider how others are doing. Not only for me and mine, but how are others doing? Gail Irwin, when he was last here, he brought some little stickers on his last visit. And one of those stickers was others. That's all it is. Others. Others? No explanation. Others. What's in that for me? Nothing. <laughs> but Paul says, be concerned for others more than you are for yourself. Now, most of us men like to think that we're self-sufficient. We take care of our own. We take care of our families. Don't need no stinking charities, you know. But every once in a while, every now and again, you saints go above and beyond what I consider reasonable affection. And you bless me beyond anything that I can imagine. Your love and your mercy towards your pastor is humbling. And I say that no tongue in cheek, that's the truth. 
The beautiful part is, it is not only to me that you show kindness and love, but I notice you interacting, interacting with one another. And it gladdens my heart to see you loving one another. And the loving concern, you know, that is, that is here, well, I'm just blessed to be part of the fellowship. The loving concern demonstrated right here. You can't buy that. You can't purchase that. You can't manufacture that. It is the Spirit of God within us making us, forming us into His church. The church of Jesus Christ. So, keep on keeping on. <laughs> keep demonstrating this Christian spirit all year, not just here at Christmas time. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, or have this attitude, be known for having a mind or an attitude like Jesus. Now Paul, he will use our Lord as his prime example of humility of character. Came to a revelation this week. Paul who wrote probably half of the New Testament, he never drops into, never falls into telling touchy-feely stories. Have you ever noticed that? Paul never drops into stories. And I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. I always try to find a good story for my sermon. <laughs> But here is the Christian story, if you will, which happens to be an example by Paul, an example of how we are to live as believers. And he uses Jesus. Jesus, being fully God, in the form of God, God in every way, did not consider it robbery or did not consider it unfitting of being equal with God, God the Father, in all his divine attributes. And then it says, Jesus made himself. Jesus made himself. God the Father, God the Spirit, did not have to coerce Jesus. They didn't have to give him a pep talk. They had to... They didn't use any persuasion upon him whatsoever. It says, Jesus made himself of no reputation an example of a humble spirit. Jesus taking on this form of humility in all ways becoming a servant. The Christmas story, by the way. In Mark 10.45, we hear Jesus say, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The main characteristic of Jesus 
the main focus of his ministry was to serve. Part of serving, part of ministering for Jesus was taking on the form or likeness of a man. A babe in Bethlehem, if you will. Being found in the appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself. And here it is again, Jesus willfully humbling himself as our example. That is so contrary. That is so unlike our flesh wants to do. Our flesh constantly looks for ways to exalt itself. Whenever we begin to exalt ourselves, as a believer, you have lost touch with what God has called you to be. And that is a humble servant. You can be a servant and not be humble. Servanthood can be forced upon you. Uh, you could have been a slave. You can be, it can be against your will to be a servant. But you cannot be humble without being a servant. You can be a servant without being humble, but you cannot be humble without being a servant. Humility's end result is servanthood. Jesus became obedient, made himself obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And if your mind runs like my mind does, I go, well, how old was Jesus when he realized that he was God? You know, how old was Jesus when he, when it dawned upon him that he was to be that sacrificial lamb, that he would go to the cross? Well, as an early teenager, 12, 13 maybe, when Jesus was at the temple with the scribes and the rabbis, his mother and father came looking for him. And when they found Jesus, he said, sorry, mom, sorry, dad. No, he didn't. Not for a moment. He declared, I must be about my father's business. His father's business is salvation. Not for one or two, but salvation for all of mankind via the cross. That's why Jesus came. That's why he humbled himself. And it all started with Jesus making himself of no reputation. Humbling himself taking on the form of a servant, obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. So, here we are. Christmas 2011. This Christmas, and you can let it carry on if you like, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who humbled himself and made himself of no reputation.
Amen and Merry Christmas. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, there's certain events throughout the year that we seem to always remember and mark and always go back to. And Christmas is one of those times, Lord. I thank you for Christmas. I thank you for, thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth and humbling yourself and becoming one of us. And then going and suffering the cross, being obedient to the call upon your life for our benefit. Lord, we are grateful for you humbling yourself. And Lord, we want to also be like you. We want to be humble before you, Lord. We want to make ourselves humble so that you may receive glory and honor from our lives. So may this Christmas time, Lord, be a time where we make ourselves of no reputation before you, Lord. We pray for this. We ask for this. In your name, Jesus. Amen.